as he comes. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. It's a blessing for Emily and I to be here. And uh, uh, when Pastor Blake mentioned the conference is only a month away, it took me by surprise. I'm thinking, I know it's coming, but I didn't realize we're only a month away. But, uh, you know, our pastors are, are making preparations to come. We have uh, people coming from different countries. And, you know, where else can you go to a conference and get to sit down at a break in the morning and sit across from somebody who's from the Congo? And then you got another pastor over here from Kenya, somebody else from Costa Rica, and, and this one from Canada. You know, it's a blessing. We, we're, we're blessed. It's exciting that we get to be a part of that and, and to uh, bring these pastors back. And, you know, it's uh, Pastor Blake was a blessing to our church on Sunday because he reminded the home church it's it's very very important that they make their arrangements to be a part of the conference as well you guys are getting off of work you you've you've been planning got hotels you got all these different things that you've been working on and uh, you know we don't want the home church to to lay out during the evening services or even during the day so Pastor Blake gave a good plug for the conference for us and I really appreciate you guys making time arranging your schedule and making the sacrifices to be a part of the conference there it's it's what we do it's who we are we are we come together and we it's, it's like we're, we're energized we're, we're fired up again for the the next year that's coming up you know and, and uh, we're challenged in some things and our theme this year is standing firm we're going to uh, we, we, these are dark days you know that these are these are difficult days. These are days like like the church has not seen uh, in in many many years. But th- these are also bright days because we're not moving. Just like that lighthouse, we're not moving. We're standing firm. We're going to be here. We're going to we're going to uh, be the light that God has called us to be. And so. Uh, the conference is exciting. I, I encourage you, those who have not yet committed themselves and not made those plans, uh, you ought to make, make time for that and really work to get off of work and, and uh, be a part of that. Amen. I want to minister tonight for just a few moments. Turn with me over to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And I want to minister on finishing well. Finishing well. How many know it's not how you start, it's how you finish? How many good at starting things? How many, how many of you got some projects? You started a project, and the project still sits there. You never quite got to the, the completion of it. And, uh, you know, I want to uh, encourage you that, you know, it's not enough to just start it out, but let's, let's follow it through. Let's make our commitment that we're going to make heaven our home. We're not just going to be good at, at starting out, but we're going to finish well when it comes to the things of God. If you had a chance to watch much of the Olympics, uh, I don't know if, if, how many were able to watch some of it, but, but uh, I was able to, every time I turned the television on, it seemed like whatever I was watching made big news the next day or something. People were talking about it. I didn't get to watch all that much, but I happened to turn it on at the right time. And I was watching the marathon. I turned it on for the marathon. And I saw this white guy in the middle of all these other Africans that he was uh, you know, he was doing pretty good and his name was Rupp and he was from the United States 
and I couldn't believe it. Here's this, here's this white guy that uh, I, I was actually surprised because, you know, usually it's, it's the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, and they're taking all the races when it comes to these long-distance runs. And here they start out in this giant pack of people, all these countries. They're representing their nation, and they start out, I mean, it's just, it's just shoulder to shoulder. And they did pretty good all the way up to about the 16th mile. But then when you get to the 20th mile, it really breaks up. You get to, people start really falling out. And they, they're falling behind. The ones that were, were you know, really doing well, they, they start to slowly work towards the back. And then uh, here's this, this guy, this white guy still hanging in there. And I couldn't believe it. He's, it. It's amazing to me that here he, he's running. And one of the things that really struck me as they were talking about this American runner was that this was only the second marathon he'd ever run in his life. And the first one was for the Olympic trials. Now, here he is keeping up. He did eventually take the, the bronze medal and, and uh, I, was, I was pretty impressed. I'm sure everybody was impressed by that because he even left some, some people that were, that were uh, uh, noted runners. These were people that were, that were expected to take top, the top positions. He even left some of them behind. But you know it's, it's important, it's very critical that when we, when we live our lives we know how to, to keep the pace and we understand there will be challenges along the way. And if we're serious about this race, the, the race that we're running with the Lord, we'll make heaven our home. We'll finish well. We will hear those words, well done. Don't you want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant? When we die, when we step out of this life into eternity, I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Who are you? Those are words that I don't want to hear. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to give you some, some, some help and some wisdom here on finishing well. You know, probably most of us have seen people, if you've been in church, you've seen people that, that have come and gone. And, they, you know, I've seen people that they started out great or, or, or they, they just started out well, but they finished very poorly or they, they dropped out completely. There was in in 2006 the the World Cup. Uh, France was in the finals, and and uh, this man maybe you remember the story of Zidane who hit who headbutted this guy at the in the finals. Does anybody remember hearing about that? And and uh, here it was his final moment of glory. He'd had this stellar career. He'd had all of these great and, and uh, uh, wonderful things that he'd accomplished in life. And then finally, in the very final game of his career, he headbutts this guy. And for whatever reason, whether it's lack of self-control, I know the guy, the, the guy that he had headbutted said something about his sister, and that caused him you know, to, to lose his mind. But later on, he said that he would, have, he, he would, never, he would rather die than to apologize for that. And it was, a, it was a, a, a blight on his career. It was just something that it was just a, a, a sour taste. Here he'd had this great uh, career, and, he'd, and he ended on this sour note. But I want you to know that if we, will, if we will take the necessary steps, we'll finish well. We'll finish well. It'll be all right. We can make heaven our home. And I want you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. It says the end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better 
than the proud in spirit. If you look over to Genesis chapter 9, if you want to back up all the way to the beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 9, here is a man by the name of Noah. You know the story. He found grace in the sight of God, and he started well. But if you, if you look in Genesis 9 and verse 20, it says, Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. And then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. You know, when you read about Noah, the Noah that had great faith and had built this ark and had preached the gospel, he'd preached that, the, that, it, that people should, should get their hearts right. You know, it's hard to put these two Noahs together. Here's Noah that had, had great and deep conviction, but then you have Noah that had, had turned his back on the things of God and, and, is, and is basically cursing the next generation. Or even if you look at Solomon in the Bible, Solomon had started well. He was visited by God twice, had a, had a revelation, and, and yet he finishes in, in, in a very poor way. If you're, if you're really fast, you could turn over to 1 Kings with me and I know if you've got a if you've got a device you're faster than most but first Kings chapter 11 it talks about Solomon and it says he had 700 wives princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David I mean how many people even get a visitation of God one time but yet he gets a visitation of God twice and how does he finish I mean he talk about extremes he's gone from 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 where he was to to uh, to having 700 wives it reminds me of the, the Sunday school teacher who asked the class what is your favorite Bible character one kid says, my favorite Bible character is Solomon. She says, why Solomon? He says, because he had 700 wives and 300 porcupines. And I like animals and I like women. <laughs> well, it wasn't 300 porcupines, was it? But you know, it was, it's not so different in the New Testament. The Bible says that Paul talked, wrote and talked about Demas, and he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. At some point, Demas was walking along. This man, Demas, had a, a relationship, and he was a partner in the faith. He was, he was a, a faithful man. But Paul writes in here, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He was a close disciple. Over in 1 Timothy 1, in verse 20, it says, Of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I delivered to Satan. I mean, oh, those are harsh words. I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme 
You know, these are casualties of the ministry. We have people that sometimes you, you see them out, they, they, they're excited about serving God. They're, they're committed. They're at every service. They're at every outreach. They've got their hands raised. Then slowly they begin to drift in their, in their, in their faith, in their walk with God. Slowly they begin to detach themselves. They're not, as, and they're not as active. They move from the front row to the second row. Then they go to the back row. Then they're moving from the back row closer to the door. Next thing you know, you're wondering where they're at. You wonder what happened. I'll tell you what happened. Slowly, they began to drift in their faith. Slowly, the devil began to preoccupy them with other things and the cares of this world and the things of this world began to, to take precedent in their life. Instead of putting things in perspective and understanding who the real enemy is, they began to look at, uh, at people in the body of Christ thinking, that's my enemy. Well, no, that's not your enemy. This is your friend. This, these are your, this is your family. These are people that care about you. Can you say amen? So I want to give you several things on finishing well. What, what we need to do, some critical things if you want to hear those words, well done. The first thing is realize what you sow, you will also reap. That whatever you sow, you'll also reap. We've heard that many times, but the principle never changes. You cannot get around this. It's a spiritual law. It's, it's like gravity. It's like the, it's something that is a very real, it's a, it's a reality in life that whatever you sow, you'll also reap. You may not reap it. In the, in the same season, you may not even reap it in the next season, but ultimately, we do reap what we sow. It's just, it's just the fact of life. There's seed time and there's harvest time. God has ordained this in the supernatural. So what do we sow? How do we sow? We sow with our words. We sow with our actions. We sow with our thoughts. We sow habits. We sow in, in our attitudes, even in our desires. There's always this sowing process where there's a fruit. There's a harvest that's coming. You speak negative things. You begin to talk a certain way. You begin to have a certain frame of mind in your life. Then your life begins to move in that direction of your thoughts. You want? How did I get this way? How did how did my life be, turn out this way? Well, it, it's it's it all has to do with the the way we we pattern our lives. When church becomes a priority, it's like the, our brother was talking about in the offering, and he, he began to think about giving and began to think about the the value of giving. His life began to move in that direction. It's not automatic. You know, the, raising children is not automatic. You're sowing seed in their lives. You say, well, I want, I want to have good kids. We look at other people, and then we see that their kids are, are well-adjusted. They've got they, they're, they're, uh, their lives are in order. You know, we think, oh, I want that for my family. Well, you've got to sow seed to have that if you want to bring that kind of fruit. There's, there are things that have to be put in order. There's priorities, and we're doing that. Here we are. We're in church on a Sunday night. Here we are, we're able to worship the Lord together. You've sown a seed in your life. You've made a decision that you are going to reap the result of down the road. You'll reap it throughout this week. You made that decision. You sowed a seed. This is how God has ordained it. And where we are, where you are right now, where you are five years from now, you are the sum total of all the decisions you've made up to this point. You say, well, I don't really like what I've got. Well, you sowed the seed. You reap the harvest. I reap the harvest. 
If you want something different out of your life, you want a different uh, result, if five years from now you want your financial situation to be different, then you have to make some decisions today to get there. There are some sacrifices that have to be made. Everybody gets the same 24 hours. Does anybody get more hours in the day than I do? I don't think so. Everybody gets the same amount of time, right? We all get the same amount of time. You can sleep longer. You can sleep less. You can decide to get up and exercise, or you can sleep through that alarm and, and wake up with three minutes to run out the door. It's what, is, what do you want to do with it? What kind of decision? What kind of life do you want to have? How do you pattern yourself? You can convert that time. If you are so inclined, you can convert your time. You can convert it into five or six kids or ten kids, or you can convert it into a, 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 a built body, you know. You can be involved in all of those things. You can convert it into whatever you want. You can convert your life. Five years from now, you can be in a different place than you are right now based on the kind of seed you put in the ground or the kind of seed you plant. Say, I wish I had a better marriage. Sow better seeds into that relationship. I wish I had a better job. Begin to pre prepare yourself and plan. And if you want to do something different, pray, God, lead me into a different field. Educate yourself. Be disciplined. And if it's not even all about education, but, but you know, feed yourself, educate yourself. Break out of the, the shell that you're in. Meet some new people. God will lead you and, and put you in a place where you uh, never imagine. If you don't like what you have today, check your seed. You know, life is a bit like a chess game. It's a bit like a chess game. If, if, if for those that, that do play chess, I've, I'm not a, a very uh, good chess player. I'm, you know, I'm kind of just all over the map when it comes to playing chess. But people that play chess will tell you the, the first move is as important as the fifth move or the tenth move. They will tell you that, it's, that is, it is as critical to the outcome of the game. And many people think, well, the decisions that I make in my youth, those are not that, that important. When I get older, then I'm going to make the decisions that are going to really matter. I'm only 17. I'm only 20 years old. I'm, I really don't have to worry about that. But it, the fact is, the decisions you make in your youth are just as important as the decisions, if not more, as the, than the ones you make down the road. You have to realize the kind of seed that you're sowing. When you reach 40, you're going to really have to change some things, especially how you eat. You know, when you're young, you eat whatever you want, and it's just, you know, whatever. But you get to a certain age, it just doesn't come off like you want it to. And say, well, I'm a long ways from that. Well, you don't want to get there where you have to uh, kill yourself to, you know, to, to get it off. The second thing is live a life with a conscience that's clean. Live a life with a clean conscience. You know, the Apostle Paul is, in the Bible, he's one of the few that finishes well. In Acts chapter 23, he says, Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, here he is standing before a court, and he's giving a testimony, and he says, to these men, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I've lived in all good conscience 
before God until this day. You know, that's a, that's a wonderful thing to be able to say. I lived with a clean conscience up until this point. What is your conscience? Your conscience is, is, is part of your spirit man. Your conscience is what, it's like the, the fire alarm. The Holy Spirit will speak something to you and, and, and give direction. And, and maybe there's something that, that is not right in your life, something that you're involved in, and the, and the alarm goes off. How many have ever, you know, you hear these, when, when somebody's alarm goes off on their, on their car, at first you kind of look, and sometimes we don't even look anymore. That alarm goes off. It'll go off, and, and it just continues to, to blare, and people will completely ignore it. There's an alarm that goes off in a person's mind when there's something that we shouldn't be doing. There's something that we should be alarmed by or, or aware of. There's, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, and it's like that alarm goes off. But if you ignore that alarm, next thing you know, it goes off for the hundredth time. We don't even realize it. Pay attention to the Spirit of God or to your, even to your conscience because it's like a, 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 uh, a guide, and, and it ought to bother us when there, are things, when there are things that are going wrong. And the Holy Spirit does that for a reason. This is what happens when, when people's conscience become seared. You know, they, don't, they no longer are sensitive to the things of God. They no longer, and certain things don't bother them anymore. Have you noticed that before in life, the things that used to bug you and were convicting, that they no longer have that same conviction? What happened? It's like going into a theater, and when you first walk in, and it's just dark, you can't see anything. But after you're in there for a little bit, your eyes begin to adjust. Next thing you know, you're able to look around. You can see there's people over here, people over there. What happened? The lights didn't come on. You got used to it in there. This is what happens with, with sin and with different things when the, the Holy Spirit has raised the alarm and we ignore it and we just kind of move on with our lives until we finally come to a place where we're no longer sensitive or tender to the things of God. And sometimes you can have integrity in one area but be lacking in another area. I shared. I, I might have shared this with you before, but it bears repeating of a couple that had gone to a restaurant. Did I share this with you? This couple that had gone to a restaurant and they'd gone to a fast food place, and it was it was late at night. In fact, the restaurant was closing, and as they made their order, the they they uh, were getting the very end of the day. The the their order was made, and the person at the at the window hands them their food, and they take and they drive off. And as they as they're after they've driven away. They do like all of us. They look in the bag to see what's in. How many do that? Just to make sure that you got what you paid for. They look in there, but their food, instead of seeing their food inside there, they saw the entire day's money in that bag. And they thought, we got to do something about this. We, this isn't honest. We can't take this money. So they decided we're going to turn around we're going to go back to the place and they went back they went back and and went inside and they they told the owner the 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 manager there you've mistakenly given us instead of giving us the food that we ordered you gave us the money from the till or from the register and he was blown away who does that who who has that kind of conviction and integrity to bring the money back they could have just driven off 
He says, we've got to, we, we want to appreciate you. I mean, this is, un, this is unprecedented. It's unheard of. We want to, we want to really uh, uh, make an, a, a statement here. We've got to call the TV station. We've got to call the newspaper. We've got to call somebody and tell them what you've done. He says, sir, the man, the man with the, the, the customer says, sir, please don't do that. Please don't do that. He said, well, why not? He says, you don't understand. He says, the woman that I'm with is not my wife. Uh-oh. He had such conviction in one area, but not in another. I mean, wouldn't what would you say if, let's say you went to the ATM and, and instead of getting $100 out, it kicked out $1,000. Some people would say, well, thank you, Jesus. Thank God it's Sunday and the bank isn't open. I can't go take it back. What kind of integrity do we have? What does your conscience say to you? Do we have the ability to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? The third thing is to finish well in life. We have to release our past. We have to cut the past loose. Loose. You know, a lot of people we talk to are bound by their past. You know, when you're making a commitment to walk with God, you need to close those chapters of your life. Close those things. Don't, don't, let, it, don't let it follow you. You know, you can't, how many of you can't live life in the rearview mirror looking back? You can't live life like that. That's why the windshield is this big and the, the mirror is this big. You spend all your time looking in that, that rearview mirror, you're going to have an accident. You're going to have some trouble. Those things are behind us for a reason. Close those chapters. You can't undo it. Listen, we've got, everybody's got things in their life that they'd like to go back and change. Every single person. They'd like to, they'd like to go back and, and fix some things. Maybe they made a decision. They say, I, I, wish I, I wish I could go back and undo that thing. Close that chapter. You can't, you can't change it. What you can do is put it under the blood of Jesus. Repent, move on, and, and you say, well, I, I, I can't hardly forgive myself. Listen, Jesus forgives you for those things. Bring it to the cross. Bring it to the altar. You don't have to come back. And, and we've had people that have, that have had, maybe they had an abortion. And they, they carry the guilt of that thing. And they constantly come repenting and repenting and repenting at the altar. You don't have to come and repent again and again. It's under the blood. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. Why, if, you know who's bringing that back up? The devil brings it up. He's the one that condemns us. He's the one that, that brings that condemnation and, and is always bringing it up. And he'll tell you, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. Why are you raising your hands? How can you be up on that platform? How can you talk to somebody about Jesus? You know what you did? You did this and you did that. Let it be under the blood of Jesus to finish well. We have to release our past. You know, you can't judge a person based on just one or two chapters of their life. Things change, right? There was a man who sent four of his sons to a far country, each of them to a, in a different season, and asked them to bring a report about the apple trees. Each season, a different son would come back who was sent to spy out the land and would bring a report. And the first son says, during winter, no apples were there. All the branches are dead looking. The sec second son said, 
in the spring I see blossoms but no apples the third went in summer it was full of apples on the trees and the fourth went in fall and said the apples are almost gone and the father gave them this wisdom he said you never can judge a tree based on only one season of life you know you can't judge a person you can't judge your own life even by one season thank God that he rescued us out of our out of our past thank God he took us out of that that pit of of ugliness and reached down into a gutter somewhere and and pulled us out whether we were whether we were uh, self-righteous or or full of the devil or or bound by drugs and alcohol and involved in all kinds of things he redeemed us from our past he pulled us out of that so forget about those things release it and put it under the blood of Jesus there was a story and I want to tie this up this evening of Joseph you know the story of Joseph if you want to look over at Genesis chapter 41 Genesis chapter 41 he was sold into slavery you know the story how he lost his birthright his name his identity he became somebody's property he had a terrible past but the real plus of this story is that Joseph finished well and everybody has a tragic story but Joseph really had a, he really had a story to tell how did he deal with these things if you look at Genesis 41 in verse 51 Joseph has two children their names are Manasseh and Ephraim and in verse 51 Joseph it says Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh for God has made me forget all of my toil and all of my father's house. And then in verse 52, it says the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. His first son was named Manasseh. You know, this is a, a powerful revelation because before you can have a second born, you have to have a firstborn. And his firstborn was named after the toil, but the, the second, the, uh, Ephraim, was named because God had caused him to be fruitful in the land of his affliction. Manasseh is there. That firstborn is there to release all of your past and close the chapter to move on to what God would want to do in your life. There, there are things that happen in our lives. We're not proud of those things. We're not, we're not pleased with them. But they're there. God God redeems us from those things he uses them there that, that's a tool that your testimony is a tool you say, well, I don't want to talk about it I don't like to to dwell on it we're not giving glory to the past we're not giving glory to the devil in all of those things we're recognizing that God brought us out of that lifestyle whatever it was and he did a miracle in us and because of his redeeming love he's he's put our feet on solid ground that's your testimony use it it is a powerful tool we have a young lady in our church. Her name is Andrea. You've seen her in the, in the uh, Shout magazine. And there's another young lady. Her name is Anna. And these two young ladies, I'm telling you what, they are a, they are a dynamic duo. Both, both of them are saved. They both came out of a lesbian lifestyle. They were not involved with each other. They were involved with different people. But they came out of this lifestyle. And I'm telling you, they are, they are the most on fire girls that you would ever, you would ever meet. 
I mean, they were here for the rally. You probably saw them. Uh, they even convicted me because I went to lunch with the pastors, and they, they called, and I said, what are you guys doing? And uh, no, actually, as we were leaving, I said, what are you guys going to do? They said, we're going on outreach. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to Babe's to get some chicken. <laughs> they went on outreach. They go on outreach on Thursday night. They go on Friday night. They go street preaching. They go on Saturday on the outreach. They're always evangelizing. Whenever we get done with the service, if we were getting done tonight, they would say, we're going witnessing. We're going to go out preaching. You know, it's, it's a testimony. They, God's done something in their lives, and they use it. They're, they're, they're a weapon against the devil. So we forget about our past. And then the last thing is to finish well, deal with secret sin in your life. You cannot make heaven your home if you're still holding on to some secret area of sin. Secret sin, a sin that is done in secret. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not commit adultery but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart if your right eye causes you to sin pluck it out and cast it from you for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell now he's not saying I'm not saying literally tonight to you know pluck your eyeball out but he was saying, deal with the secret sins in your life. Don't let there be some area where you've, you, you proclaim the victory of God, but on the side you've got this, this vice in your life. It will be the thing that will cause you to miss heaven and, and to miss your destiny in God. Deal with it. Bring it to the altar. Say, God, I don't want this thing in my life anymore. I don't want this habit. I don't want this, this thought. I don't want these, this, this uh, uh, language. I don't want any of these things to, be, to have rule over my life. And bring those things to the altar and commit yourself and say, God, I want to be a, a, a servant. I want to be somebody that is right and that is clean before you. That's the challenge for each and every one of us if we want to finish well. If we want to leave a spiritual legacy. You know, we have a legacy. We're going to leave a legacy. You know, we're not going to be here forever. You know, you can't live forever. We pray, I pray that the Lord comes back soon, but if he doesn't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to die just like you are. I'm going to have to leave a legacy for my children. I'm going to have to leave a, leg leave a legacy for them to see and, and to, know, to know that they can make heaven their home. My granddad passed away not too long ago, and, and uh, it, was, it was sad. It was difficult, but I, I was able to talk with him on the phone. On that, he, he passed away on a Monday. I talked to him on Sunday. And, you know, my granddad gave his life to the Lord. I don't know if, if Pastor Blake, if you guys saw the video, did the church here see the video? But there's a, he's, he's got a video. It's great, great to show sometime of his testimony, how he got saved. But, you know, he, he came up in a, in, a, in a tough life. 
had only been to church a couple of times before he, he even gave his life to the Lord and he'd done all these different things and he passed away and I, I thought, you know, if he hadn't given his life to the Lord, where would I be? Where would you be? You know, if he hadn't given his life to the Lord, not one person in this place would be sitting in this building. Is that, do you understand that? Because he went into the ministry and he raised his, his children to love the Lord and he, 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 he had that legacy. I want to leave that legacy. Don't, don't, let's not make our decisions only for right here and right now for us, but let's make our decisions with our, our children and, the, and those that are coming behind us in mind. Maybe Jesus will come sooner, but maybe, maybe he tarries. Maybe he waits a little bit. But let's, let's finish well. Let's make up our minds. You know what? I'm going to go all the way for Jesus. I'm not just going to start out strong. I'm not going to be like those that are in, the, in that marathon and they're all excited and they're jumping up and down. And you know, I want to be the one to cross the finish line and hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Let's close our eyes. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the word of God where he gives us wisdom and he gives us direction and instruction on how to live, how to have success in life. Don't chase success. Chase after Jesus. We need the Lord. We need his mercy. We take this opportunity. We take opportunities like this to give invitation to people. Maybe you've come tonight and you you really didn't know what to expect. Maybe somebody invited you and you don't even typically come to church on a Sunday night. But tonight God has spoken to your heart. He's dealt with you. He's, he's, he's revealed himself to you. You say, Pastor, I, I know that if I were to die tonight if I were to go into eternity for some weird reason if I were to step into eternity from this life I wouldn't make heaven my home how can you know how can you be so sure how can you really know that you'll make heaven your home by faith we surrender our lives to Jesus we ask him Lord I need your forgiveness. I mean, we know the weight of sin in our lives. We know the guilt in our lives. We understand that our sin separates us from God, a God of mercy, a God that cared enough to give his only son to die on a cross for your sin and for my sin. And we understand our sin separates us from God. And he desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants to, to, to be the Lord of your life. He wants to reign on the throne of your heart. But if we'll be honest, there are many here, there might be some here that Jesus doesn't reign on the throne of your heart. Something else is there. It could be that we have our own ego is there. Selfishness is there. Could be a career or a, an addiction, a habit. Alcohol reigns on that throne. 
But it says in Revelation that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks at the door of your heart. He knocks and he knocks. And it's moments like this in a, in a service when we sense and understand that Jesus is wanting to come in. He wants to have a relationship with us that we're faced with that decision. What are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to say when we stand before God on that last day, when we stand before him and give an account for our lives? No excuse will be worth it. God, you don't understand. I, I had things I wanted to do. God, you don't understand. I couldn't I couldn't leave those things in my in my life. Or I never knew how how important it was. No excuse will be worth it. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. I want to ask how many across this place you say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord. I don't know Jesus. I'm not right with God. Maybe you're backslidden in your heart and you say I need to come back home to Jesus how many would lift up your hand you'd put it up and put it back down and say that's me pastor remember me in prayer keep me in prayer I want to know the Lord how many all over this place you just put it up and put it back down amen let's all stand together can we do that we stand together we're going to worship the Lord together we're going to lift up our hands we're going to open up these altars here tonight and give opportunity. Maybe you need, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you just want to make a commitment. You've got some things that you're that you're dealing with in your life. You want, they're weighing on your heart. Let's find a place around these altars and just begin to talk with God as we sing. Let's 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 finish up the day well. Amen. I surrender it to you. I commit myself to you, Jesus.